Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. All right, let's get into the word of God. I'm eager to preach seventh book of the Bible. Meet me in Judges. Assemblywoman Tremaine is with us this morning. Good to see you. Let's make some noise for Assemblywoman. Hey, as you turn to Judges 7, I, I am, we literally just got back from, uh, from Philadelphia where we have uh, been uh, serving in many different capacities and many of us just sitting and receiving uh, from uh, the Thriving Frequency Conference. And if you don't know anything about it, it, it is one of my friends has described the conference as a spiritual uh, Home Depot where you go and get the tools necessary to know how to serve your community better. And so we, we've been down there and man, I don't know if y'all saw, I was real hype. I felt like a kid at the, at the, at the grown folks table. I got to sit on a panel with uh, Dr. A.R. Bernard and my spiritual father, Dr. Mason. Uh, I, I literally felt like I should have had a juicy cup and swing at my feet. These great men, these giants in the kingdom. Uh, but it, it was a good time and I'm excited to be back. Uh, a little tired, uh, but nevertheless, excited to be serving the body of Christ today. So we'll be in Judges 7. Many of you um, know that we started a, uh, a sermon series on, called Boundaries over the last four weeks. And t- today is the last day on that sermon series. And we kicked it off talking about re- really emotional and spiritual boundaries where Jesus went away to a desolate place to pray. And it was, it was clear that he limited the access that people had to him. So I came in here and told you that you should limit the access that people have to you, um, you know, so that you can grow, spiritually grow with your walk with the Lord. And then the second week we came together, we talked about uh, sexual boundaries, looking at the life of Joseph in Genesis 39. And we took nothing off the table for for our first time visitors. I'm just not a pastor that's afraid to say uh, risque things. Uh, I'm not afraid to say penis. In fact, well, let's just all do it. Everybody just say penis. See, just get it out. Don't it feel better? The room already feels lighter. I've wanted to do that my entire life. So the second week we got together, we just we just we went crazy and we talked about the things that you're actually talking about uh, in the world. You're talking about on your phone. You're 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 some of you are sexting. You're talking about, uh, you know, at work and can't go on social media without seeing uh, this oversaturation of sexuality. So as a church, we're like, well, let's redeem it. Let's let's see what God says about sex, because the first mention of sex was not perverted nor negative. It was actually positive. Be fruitful. And multiply. So we talked about what that looks like. And then last week we got together and talked about work boundaries. I'm convinced that some of you are overworked. So we talked about what it looks like not to just rest, but work well. Because many of you came together and you said, oh, we're talking about resting today. We're talking about work boundaries. I can take off some days. But in reality, your, your rest starts with you actually working and working well, like God did when he looked down and said, it is good. I'm not going to re-preach it. I feel myself going there. Uh, but today we're going to talk about what does it look like to have boundaries with your friends and the people you do life with, specifically toxic people. Because I'm convinced many of us are attracted to drama. So we're going to deal with that in the text today. Look straight so your neighbor won't think I'm talking about you. Won't you pick me up in verse one? Verse one says this. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. 
And the camp of, the, uh, of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, please underline this because this is going to become so foundational. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, underline this one as well, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue like a dog laps, you shall, you shall set him up. You shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. Verse six. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth was 300. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men whom lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let the, all the others go every man to his house or to his home. I want to preach today from the topic. You know, I grew up in the 80s and so I was deeply influenced by the group Houdini. I want to preach from the topic, friends, how many of us have them? Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, I do echo the words of the prophet Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Amen. Amen. Friends, how many of us have them? It's been times where I publicly would come in here and, and often express my affections for like really well-known public figures. For example, not too long ago, I talked about how much I loved Colin Powell. I've shared with you and even quoted from Charles Spurgeon before, a public figure, a theologian. I've even quoted Cardi B before. Uh, but today I want to introduce you to another guy by the name of Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was uh, an African-American that was deeply loved and, 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 and uh, he was an influential leader in the African-American community. He was a theologian. Uh, by, by many rights, he was a philosopher. Uh, he, he was a civil rights leader. And in many ways, he was a great author. He wrote many books. And one of, the, one of my favorite books that he wrote was a book called Meditations of the Heart. In that book, you should pick up that book. In that book, he talks about, he has a quote where he says, there are two questions that you often have to ask yourself when you go through life. Number one, where am I going? And the second question is, who am I going with? It's been my experience that many of us, especially millennials, are good at knowing where we're going, but we're not good at identifying who should go with us. We're good at knowing the destination, but we're not good at identifying who is in the car. And I can, I can promise you one thing. If you get nothing else, please note this. It is not just enough to know the destination, but it is very important that you understand your circle because your circle has the ability to hinder you from getting to the destination. Your, your, your circle has the ability to cause you to make detours. And many of us in here are more loyal to the people in the car than we are God's calling to the destination. 
One thing I know about loyalty is loyalty is great. Like I, I, I pray that I would have loyal friends, but loyalty, if you swing the pendulum too far, it becomes stupidity. And many of us have been blind to what God has been showing you about the people in your life. But you're looking at them going, I'm going to forgive them. Why? Because I'm a loyal dude. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loyal. I'm ride or die. And at the end of the day, you're riding or dying. You're never getting to your destination. You're never getting to the place that God has called you. And here's what I can promise every single person in this room down to the infants in the infant room has a specific calling and a specific destination that God wants you to reach. But you might have been hindered. And the hindrance that you have is the people that is closest around you. Now, it doesn't take a great public figure like Howard Thurman to let us know we need to check our circles. Mama helped you understand that you need to check your circles. Remember mom would say things like, a birds of a feather. My mama would say things like, if you lay down with dogs, you get up with, someone scratch your neighbor and say, you just been laying down in the wrong, you've been laying down in the wrong place. And at the end of the day, it, it, it seems comical, but what you're doing is you're hindering yourself from getting where God wants you to be. I'll never forget when I was younger and, uh, I was 14 at the time and Lion King just came out and I invited a young lady over the house to come watch Lion King with me. And she gets over the house and my mother was so nice to her. My mother, you know, would you need anything to drink? And, and it wasn't Thai. So she, she was just so nice. And do you need anything? How can I serve you? And the moment she left and closed the door, my mom said, don't bring her back over here no more. And your, your mom ever did that? I don't know. It's something about her spirit. She ain't do nothing. She ain't really saying that. It's just something about her that I can't. What mama was doing was protecting the car. She wasn't just looking at the destination. She was like, you know what? To get there, she's not the one that can help you. And so at the end of the day, I wonder how many of you are watching Lion King with the wrong person. I wonder how many of you, you you're riding or dying. You're like, I'm loyal. But at the end of the day, you're more loyal to people than we are to God. And we come to a passage where God is calling us to trim the fat off the brisket. He's, he's calling you to, to, to loosen up some of those relationships. And the reality is some of you, it's the closest relationships that you need to set boundaries in place. Some of you, it's, it's your best friend. It's the girl that you grew up with. But everybody that you grew up with doesn't mean they're supposed to be lifers. Some people are seasonal. Some people have an expiration date. And you would do well to find out that expiration date so that you don't go to battle as Gideon does with people that aren't supposed to be battling with you. And I love this passage because this passage is going to pastor us well today. The story is going to preach to you. I'm just going to read the story. It's going to preach itself to you. Look at verse one. It says, then Gideon and all the people who are with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of, the Midi of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. How interesting is this that God looks at Gideon and says, Gideon, you're about to go into battle. But before you get there, I need to help you and I need to prepare you that the people that you are riding with are too great. Thirty two thousand people are riding with him right now. And God is like, you know what? I got to trim the army down, which is almost anti, like, I don't know any war hero that would look at that and say, that's a good strategy. Why would you not want to go into battle with more people? God is like, nah, because if you do, if you beat the Midianites, you'll take the glory and I won't get any glory. 
So therefore, I need to I need to help you to understand that you need to disconnect. And how you need to d- disconnect is be watch translation. Ask them who's scared. Did, did you read verse three? And verse three, he said, tell the people, all of you who are frightened and all of you who are afraid, you can go home. Twenty two thousand people leave. Don't just look at this. Twenty two thousand soldiers are afraid. If it's one thing I know about fear is fear is the antithesis to faith. I couldn't say that. So let me say that again. Fear is the antithesis to faith. Fear is absolutely opposite. And so really the, the, the first sign you need to know about the people that are around you is if you're around people that don't have faith but have more fear, you need to disconnect from them. Girl, why are you going for that job? Your resume ain't good enough. I know my resume is not good enough, but I don't need fear to interject here. I need you to say, you can get that job because your God is able to give you that job. You, you, so some, some of you guys are, are, are trying to be homeowners and you're saving up and you listened to Nina a few weeks ago and you're trying to bring down the debt so that you could own your own property. And I've, I've actually been praying that for many of you all week long that you would be property owners because when I read places like... Amen. When I read places, when I read places like Jeremiah 29, it's very clear. It says, build houses and live in them and dwell there. Give your sons to their daughters. In other words, some of you need to be property owners for missional purposes. And so you trying to be a, a business owner and a homeowner, if you're surrounded around the wrong people, they'll interject fear there. Where really what you need is I need somebody to get in my corner and say, God, you can you can do it. When it comes to this building, we've been praying. Y'all look around. It ain't, it's just no more room in here. We're in three services. I've been going, God, open up the door. And it feels like the DOB is against us. It feels like expediters are lawyers, realtors. Everyone is against us. And what I need in this season is not fearful people. I, I don't need the 22. I need the loyal people that can say you can do it because you're serving a God that is able to do it. And some of you have been hindered because you have the wrong people around you that is preaching fear and not preaching faith to you. And, and, and not only that, many of us stay tied up in mess because you've ignored the people that are around you. You've ignored what God has showed you. Preach, B. Let me say that one more time. Many of you, not everybody, but many of you are tied up in mess right now because you have ignored what God has showed you. And therefore, you're stuck in mess. OK, yeah, let me say it over here because they just not feeling me. <laughs> many of you right now are tied up in mess and you're tied up in mess because you've ignored what God has already exposed. You know that they're not the right person, but loyalty has you bound. Loyalty is like a yoke around your neck. And God is saying, listen, I want you to get to battle, but there's 22,000 people that got to go home. There's a bunch of them that just got to go. And the the way you can identify them is fear versus faith. Look at your look at your your list of people that you need to write down and say, okay, how many of them are fearful? How many of them are are holding me back or how many of them are pushing me to say you can do whatever it is that you want to do because of the God that you serve? And so when I read this, I realize that at least twenty two thousand have on armor, but they're not real soldiers. And likewise, it's the same thing for you. Many people that you have over your house may not be ride or die. Many people you have in your corner may not be BFFs, me and you. They may not be like that. Everybody you've introduced to the family, he may not be the one. Just because she gave you heart eyes don't mean that she's wifey material. You need discernment. 
Do, do you know what discernment is? The discernment is the ability to judge and judge well. And some of you, it's not that you don't have discernment. You don't have a, obedience. Like God showed you, but you stuck there. You, you stayed in that relationship. You stayed in that friendship. And, and you, you ain't acting new because you disconnected. You're just trying to make it to the destination. So at the end of the day, what, what we see happening in this passage is God is very clear. Gideon, there, there are some things that I want you to, to do. There's some places that I want you to go. By the time you get to chapter eight, if you have 32,000 people, you're being disobedient. Some of them have to fall by the wayside. And many of you have to, you have to get this. It is the toxic people that you have to start to part ways with. I don't care how long you've been riding with them. You know, it's so funny. The body, the, the natural body has a way of getting rid of toxins in a violent way. I've shared this with you guys before that, you know, in, in my college days, this is before I was, before I trusted in Jesus, you know, I would go to, to, to parties, to college parties. And there was one party I went to. I'll never forget. I remember the smell of the hallway, walking downstairs into the basement and I get to the door and they hand me a red cup. Now, if anybody hands you a red cup, cause y'all know them red cups be, then them red cups is the devil. <laughs> and, and so somebody handed me a red cup and they filled it up. And I start walking around the party and it's strobe lights and blue lights and I'm drinking and I'm dancing and I'm drinking. And then my cup gets empty and my friend says, you better fill that back up. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. No, no, no. Fill it back up. Because if the host of the party catches your cup empty, the one rule he has is you got to get out. So he kept filling it up and kept filling up. And needless to say, I woke up that next morning. It was not bright eyed and bushy tailed. Woke up that next morning and I had something called a hangover. Now you're looking at me with those judgmental eyes, but many of you woke up this morning. Many of you woke up this morning and you're not bright eyed and bushy tailed, but you got us fooled because you look spiritual. You said, great are you, Lord. Last night you was like, come on, judge me. And so that next morning I woke up with a hangover and, you know, hangovers are interesting because hangovers literally is the body trying to rid itself of toxins. And you know, a hangover is often met with sensitivity to light, with headaches, with nausea. And the greatest sign of a hangover is when you sit over that toilet and start to throw up. And it's so funny that God has designed your body in a natural way to violently rid itself of toxins. But yet in our relationships, you allow people to stay. What you need to do is get over the spiritual toilet and start to throw people up. Start to get the toxins out of your life. Start to prune yourself from always being around people. And some of us are addicted to the drama. You can't imagine life without the drama. You've lived with it for so long. It's become functional dysfunction. But what you need today, the greatest thing you need is to go home and make the list and say, they're all drama. Every one of them is drama. And therefore, what they're doing is they're holding me back from doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 22,000 people leave in verse three. Now, what's so powerful about that is Gideon doesn't have enough to begin with. Like he has 32 he's starting with, right? Because the Bible says 22,000 leave, 10,000 remain. If I know math, that's 32,000 people. But if you read the next chapter in verse 10 of chapter 8, it is very clear that the Midianites who he's about to fight has 135,000 soldiers. So if I'm Gideon, I'm sitting there going, wait a second, God, the math don't add up. They have 135,000 people. I have 32,000 and you just sent home 22,000. 
Never be surprised when God starts to cut stuff out of your. Never be surprised who he starts to cut out. Because many of us, you're making a list, but you got the wrong people on the list. Many of us are looking at life through a natural lens when in reality, in kingdom, God is like, none of them are good for you. I know y'all talk and y'all, y'all are best friends and y'all send each other memes at two o'clock in the morning and we cool and everything. But at the end of the day, are they helping you get to the next level? Because some people are seasonal. I have, you have to get this. Some people are not meant to be in your life forever and it's okay. They may not be toxic, just seasonal. They're not supposed to be there forever. See, I, I've, I've built around my life. I've categorized people in five different categories. This is just me. You ain't got to do this. There's five different categories. And what's interesting is the, the top most intimate category is the one relationship that can hurt me the most. Let me, let me say that another way. In your relationships, the people that are closest to you that you've given the most access to are the people that are able to hurt you the most. So I have five different relationships in my life. The, the, the first and I think most intimate relationship, the one that until I die, I'll be in relationship with is my wife. I just I mean, it ain't, it ain't that ain't ever going nowhere. We stood in front of a cloud of witnesses and said till death do us part. So as long as I have breath and walking on this earth, there's one relationship that won't go anywhere. That's a long relationship. But then the second tier, the second category is my boys. That's family. Now, they have a different level of access to me, but they don't have the same intimacy that I have with my wife. And in other words, like I'll walk around with my drawers on with the boys, but, but, but there's certain things and they'd be like, come on, put some clothes on. But, but there are certain things I won't do de- depending on the relationship. And then the next one is friends. Now, even though I'm walking around the house with drawers on with family, I ain't doing that with friends. So you don't have that level of access. And then the next level, the fourth level, is associates. Associates are not friends, just people you know. And so, you know, I typically work a nine to five during the week. Uh, and so how that works is after five, I'm pretty disconnected. Now, friends can text me and call me and I'll pick up. But associates after five, you'll get the call back the next day. And so you have to identify the friend and the associate. And then the last tier or, com- uh, or the uh, compartment is strangers. She says, you know, I don't really know you well. Now, understand something. My wife can say the same thing to me that a stranger could say. When a stranger says it, I don't care. But if my wife says it, it has a way of cutting me deep. It has a way of, of, of hurting my feelings. And here's what your problem has been when I'm talking about the 22,000 that need to go. What you're doing is you've messed up. You've, you've confused the compartments. You've given a stranger access that only a friend should have. You've given associate an access that only family should have. And because of that, you've opened yourself up to get hurt. You've opened yourself up to not make it to the destination. And so when you go home and you make that list, which I encourage you to do, of all the people that are closest to you, make a category. What are they? Who are they? Because everybody is meant to be in your life forever. Some people really do have an expiration date. And so he says, listen, 22,000 got to go. But God is so serious about the people in your life. He looks at Gideon and says, there's still some more that have to go. Look at the text with me. Verse four. The Lord said to Gideon, 
The people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone whom you say, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say uh, shall, uh, shall not go with you, shall not go with you. What, what God is basically doing is he's showing you how intentional he is about the people in your life. Do you know God actually does care about your friendships? He, he actually does care about the people in the car. He, I know you just care about where you're going, but God is like, I care about who is going with you. And I'm so intentional and I'm so caring about your life that I'm not willing to look and say, you did a good job cutting 22 out. But there's still more. See, what you've done at the start of this sermon series on boundaries, you've already identified the people that you need to set up limits with. But I'm willing to bet that your list is too short. I'm willing to bet that there are still more people that you need to disconnect from. And God's persistence, persistency shows me that he actually cares, it, that he cares about the people in my life. And what you've been doing is you've been ignoring what God has showed you. God already showed you. He, he's already exposed you. And be careful because how he exposes you to the people that don't need to have access is often a painful one. In other words, he often shows you who needs to go home by you getting stabbed in the back. He often shows you who shouldn't be in your life by you getting stood up. He often shows you who shouldn't be in your life by you getting lied on. So you thought God was going to drop into your living room and be like, nice list, cut her, cut. Now that's not what he does. He puts you in situations and exposes who they are. What we do is we ignore it. And God is like, I done showed you. I done showed you they're not loyal. I done showed you that they're not the one. I done showed you that you're riding too hard with this one. But what we've done is we keep ignoring and we, our loyalty makes us so blind. Our loyalty makes us so connected to people that God is like, listen, they done slide on you 10 times. Why do you still keep forgiving them? They don't lie on you a bunch of times. Why is it that you still have them over? What you're doing is you're ignoring what God is exposing. He's showing you. See, what I love about Gideon here is Gideon doesn't know who shouldn't ride with him unless God shows him. God crystallizes the 22. And then he looks at the 10 and says, that's nice. You obeyed me, but there is still more. And many of you, you don't lack discernment. You lack obedience. You don't lack discernment. God has showed you. Don't give to dogs. Don't give to pigs, uh, pearls uh, to pigs. And what you've done, you keep giving it out. And God is like, but I've already showed you who they are. And I keep showing you and you keep ignoring. So it is the discernment here and the obedience together that makes up a perfect, uh, a perfect situation where you're able to say, listen, you can't have this level of access anymore. I know you had it all your life. I know you're a childhood friend. I get it. Like we've been we've been close for so long. But at some point, you're now a hindrance to the destination. And I think why you're quiet today is you're sitting and you're processing who those people are. You're thinking about those relationships and you're thinking about that one that you call in your boo. But at the end of the day, they're not your boo. They're a hindrance. And the quicker you disconnect from them, the quicker God will start to get you to the destination. Don't be addicted to drama. Don't be. Now, look at what happens here. God says, 22 got to go. Gideon obeys. God looks at the 10 and says, there's still too many people. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take them down to the water. And when you get them down to the water, how they drink will expose who they are. Look at what verse five says. So he, meaning Gideon, brought the people down to the water. 
And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps shall, uh, shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink and the number of those who lap putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. In other words, God says, listen, Gideon, this is what you do. Take them down to the water. Ten thousand men. It's a lot of men to watch. Take them down to the water and see how they drink. Step back and take notes. And the person who laps the water, meaning they take the water like this and drink it and look around, that person you should keep. But the person that kneels down, can I preach Bible? If you kneel down and you drink, that person shall go home. Now, we, we don't necessarily know the specifics of why he chose to test them this way. But this one thing I can promise you, the first cut was fearful people. The second cut was selfish people. What do I mean by that? When you kneel down to drink the water, that means I only care about my needs. I don't care about the needs of the war because the person that laps has a certain level of alertness of around of the people around them. And the next cut that you need to make is selfish people that only care about their needs. Did you have anybody like that in your life? That's just so needy. And they always got to talk to you. They, this is how you know. If you have people in your life that are always needy, if you have a conversation with them and you're sharing something deep and something that hurts you and they say that's night nice, and turn the conversation on themselves. You ever been in that conversation? Every conversation got to be about you. If you're in a conversation and they never ask, how are you doing? But you're always asking how they are doing. They might be a needy person. And brothers, can I pass it to men real quick? Brothers, hear me. I promise you. Don't no woman want a needy man. Women don't want men that are, all, listen, and, but some of you do. Some, some of you ladies do. You're, you're addicted to being their savior. You, you don't want to be their girlfriend. You want to be their mama. And so I can't imagine not paying their rent. Well, you need discipleship. You paying guys rent that you ain't married to? You got to, they got to, if nobody gives them a loan, who else going to give them a loan? Again, you need discipleship. And so what, what we've done is many, many females have become addicted. They've become addicted to being the savior. And when you become that man's savior, you got to maintain that. And I can promise you one thing. You're not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the comforter. The Holy Spirit's the helper. And, and so, so, so when it comes to this idea of loyalty and it comes to this idea of needy people, you got to be able to discern who is draining your life. Anybody got drainos in their life? They just, I mean, they just feel like you put an IV and they sucked everything out of you. Anybody got those people in your life that, and if you are surrounded by people that only care about their needs, you will be depleted. And so he says, Gideon, take them down to the water because it is at the water I will expose to you men that are supposed to go to the battle with you and needy people. And, and I can promise you one thing about when God exposes it. After God exposes it, you'll do well to obey. Because if you get to the battle with the wrong people, like I'd rather you hurt me now before I get to the battle than get to the battle. See, some people you are riding with ain't ready to fight with you. Yeah. Some people you riding with ain't meant to be in the ring with you. And so you got to identify them and have the boldness to say it's only 300. And when you don't, 
When you don't identify the people that aren't supposed to be there, you rob the 300 of getting the best you. You rob the 300 of getting the most caring you. And many of us have been extending ourselves to 32,000 people. And God is like, I just got 300, though. It's only the 300 that you're supposed to be rocking with. Now, I'm not preaching isolation. I'm not preaching that you should be isolated. That is not Christianity. Even Gideon knows that I need at least 300. But I am saying that you have to be swift and bold to distance yourself from the people that aren't supposed to go. Even Jesus had a fool. One. Even Jesus had one that was not supposed to ride with him. But what we've done is we said, Judas, you can stay too. You, you, you can stay on my life. And many of you are dating the Judases. You're dating the 22,000. You're dating the 10,000. And God is like, there's 300 that I want you to rock with. And I need you to rock and I need you to rock well with them because when it comes to this idea of faithfulness of a friend, there's no better faithful friend that we have than Jesus. You've got to understand that he is the perfect model of what friendship even looks like. I don't call my Lord and Savior a friend. Doesn't he even say, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother? He says stuff like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You want to see real loyalty? Look at Jesus on the cross. And Jesus, you know, he knew he knew to disconnect from toxic people. When Judas was at that daggone table, he says, go do what you're going to do. In other words, go ahead. Keep on going. And I'm going to rock with the 11 all the way until it's time for me to die. And some of you, you've been giving yourself an access to people that shouldn't get it. Giving yourself access to people that are hurting you. Some of you, it's marriages. Now, I'm not asking you to disconnect. I'm saying get counseling. Get the help you need. Don't 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 go through life and depressed. You you need to get the help that you need. And some of you, it's it's not that covenant of marriage. It's just friendships, and you need to learn how to disconnect. And so here he says, "Listen, Gideon, this is what you're gonna do. There's thirty two thousand people that's connected to you. They're not all supposed to be there. I know the battle. I know there's over hundred thousand people you want to fight, but I can, I can actually win the war with just you, Gideon. But I'm not. I'm gonna give you three hundred. Disconnect from the twenty two. Disconnect from most of the 10 and just keep a remnant. Who is your 300? Have you seen that movie? Who is your who is your ride or dies that you need to invest all of you into? the? Because you're getting influenced from the 32 when you shouldn't be. Who is it that you should be doing life with? If you don't know what you need to do is ask God. All of this passage has been God showing and crystallizing who needs to be in Gideon's life. Gideon is not, he's not smart enough to figure it out. He's not smart enough to know who should be going. He, he's wise enough to know that God, has to real, that, that God has to expose him to who it is. Who have you been ignoring? Who, who have you been, God has been exposing, but you've been ignoring the signs. And you're ignoring them because you're calling yourself a ride or die. You're not. You're, it's foolish. You need to disconnect. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God can do more with the 300 than he can the 32. I know you don't believe that. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds like it's no way that God can actually give me the battle with 32,000, with, three, with 300, and I'm going against 135 that he can because he's God. Who is it in your life that you've been running hard with that you shouldn't run anymore? Who've reached, who's reached their expiration date in your life? 
Some of you are mourning over people that left. It was good for you that they left. Some of you are mourning over people that lied to you. It's good that they lied on you because God exposed them for who they were. This week, I want you to make a list. And I really want you to pray over the list and say, God, would you help me to discern the intentions of the people on this list? But don't only expose them. God, would you give me the power to be obedient to what you're calling me to? I am not naive. Many of you in here should be at the destination already. You should be operating in the will of God. But your circle has you back. You are held back because of them. Let's do this. I simply want to pray for you. If that's you, if you need God to crystallize the relationships in your life, would you do me a favor?